It's easy to sit in America and become insulated and sheltered from worldviews. My guest today was the first Australian to document a large report of vaccine injuries and death. He went out and his video was seen over 4 million times on Facebook and Instagram before they were removed. He joins America Emboldened today to share his story and his data. You're going to want to listen intently. Sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. Today, we could probably call this one Aussie Emboldened because my guest comes from Australia, which is pretty odd as I think about it. I'm recording a show into the future. It's the next day where he is compared to where I am. So we'll ask him some questions. Maybe we'll get some predictions about what happens tomorrow. I'm, I'm kidding. Anyway, my, my guest today is the founder of the website, OurVoicesMatter.com. And this is a website that covers stories of adverse reactions based upon the vaccine, as well as international and domestic news stories in Australia. And so today we have Alan Hashem, and he's joining us from Sydney, Australia. Alan, how are you today? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Welcome to the show. This is great. I'm no. glad to have you. Thanks for having me on. So we met yesterday in a spaces on Twitter where we were asking the question, when is it an appropriate time to discuss whether or not somebody was injured by the vaccine? And the reason this came up is because of the Buffalo Bills safety who collapsed on the field and many took their voices immediately to the Twitter into the died suddenly campaign. I was kind of horrified from that because I believe strongly that the vaccines are causing issues with people. I see the science, I see the data. But I think when somebody's laying on the ground and his body's going cold, that's probably not the most sensitive time to start uh, tweeting what we know about information. And so I asked that question yesterday to a number of doctors, and I was pretty pleased with the level-headed approach that everybody had and, and you had in the data. But I wanted to make sure that people got to hear what you're seeing in Australia and the statistics that you've heard. Uh, so as we begin this conversation, why don't we talk first about who you are and why you started Our Voices Matter, and then we'll get into those stats. If I was to go right back, my background is of uh, Lebanese origin, so I'm, I'm from Lebanon, and I actually migrated to um, Australia when I was six. Didn't, uh, didn't arrive with a lot of money, but um, thankfully for this uh, great nation, you know, did quite well for myself. You know, I, I, I'm an app developer. I've got one of the leading apps in, in the country. So it put me in a very um, interesting position when this pandemic happened on two fronts. One, I needed to protect my staff, team of 50. Lockdowns were occurring all acro across um, Australia and the world. And I think we did quite a good job of that. And we also had to make some changes in our app because it required human interaction. So, you know, we pivoted around that front. However, I was very cautious of COVID and, uh, you know, look, to be fair, I've been following um, the WEF agenda for, for a while now. So when it started, I tried to raise the alarm and say, guys, something isn't right. Something isn't right. Nevertheless, I didn't want to entertain my audience with the things that I knew. I thought, let's just focus one issue at a time. And the, the first issue for me was the two weeks to flatten the curve. Did you, did you guys get that on your end? Yeah, 14 days to flatten the curve and then everything will get back to normal. And then, you know, three yeah. months later, our schools still weren't reopened and government was still shutting things down. Yeah, we, we were doing the same here in the United States. Look, and, and I have to admit, at first, and I, I do believe COVID is real. Um, I, I just want to clearly state that. <clears throat> I was in a very fortunate position that my best friend's 
Faber was case number 134 in the whole of Australia. Okay. And um, he hasn't taken the vaccine. So um, if, if he's going to be a person that says COVID isn't real, a lot of times it's coming from the people that haven't taken the vaccine. Um, and that's not up for debate anyway. Look, there, there's something going on. People are getting sick. Um, there is a form of respiratory virus. Um, it does impact people in different ways with different conditions. But I've, I've got to get an insider view on how he felt. And my best friend's father, his name's Michael, and um, he was just an Uber driver, pulled up at the airport, picked up a passenger. So driver, passenger in the back and caught COVID. I found that quite interesting. So I asked him, I said, Michael, how did you feel? Now, Michael isn't the healthiest person. Um, uh, just over 50, a uh, regular smoker, um, doesn't sell the exercise. And he goes, Alan, it was just a really bad flu. I was like, okay, fair enough. So um, we uh, we were six months into two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as, look, we caught the hardest lockdowns in the world. Oh, I'm not sure if many people from the audience were aware what occurred in Australia, but our lockdowns varied anywhere between and I'm talking about hard lockdowns, couldn't leave your home, anywhere between six months to 14 months, depending on which part of Australia that, that you're in. I thought, wow, okay, this, this looks dangerous. This sounds dangerous. Let's look at the numbers. And then we got these very basic numbers appear on, on screen every day, you know, during a press conference, right? And they had the interpreter there. And it's like, today we had 10 cases and one death. Today we had 15 cases and three deaths. Let me give you the tally for 2020. Out of the whole of Australia, we had 906 deaths, the whole of the country, okay? Businesses were shut down, um, livelihoods were destroyed, um, uh, suicide and pressure between husband and wife was at an all-time high because schools were also shut down, so they also had to deal with that. Then 2021 arrived, and I thought, I'm going to look into this a bit further. Let me see if there's um, not the science. Let me look into the silence. There were a lot of silence doctors that we couldn't hear from, and I felt like, well, there must be something a bit more sinister. Then we started to witness that they provided protocols on treatment. Now, very early on, Australia made a very strong stance on ivermectin. And we didn't think too much of it initially. But as more data started to come out, our country started to double down on the ivermectin. So much so that they destroyed $10 million worth of product that one of our politicians tried to import into the country who was opposing all these mandates. They banned ivermectin from any um, doctor to be able to prescribe it to any patients. And then there was one size fits all. Get your vaccine. And then we started to witness the campaigns across the world, the coercion, the censorship of information, the prizes, the donuts, the hot chips, the burgers. The... And I felt like the more they pushed, the more I felt like something was, enough, something was up. So what ended up happening was around March 2021, all this COVID vaccine talk, I thought something there has to be a group of people that have already been vaccinated. And I started to look into it. I found the Facebook group and they had close to about 10,000 members, which grew at the height of that Facebook group before it was shut down in June 2021 to 70,000 members. And there were legitimate stories of injuries. Um, some sounded minor, some sounded quite severe. There were a few that resulted in death. And I was like, okay, why aren't we hearing about this? I've heard other drug manufacturers have their drugs pulled off the shelf for much, much more, like, like for about three deaths. And I was already starting to see thousands of deaths pile up, according to the different reporting systems and the testimonies on Facebook. So, Greg, what ended up happening then, and this is where my story really begins, when that Facebook group shut down, I sat there and thought, I'm not going to allow big tech censor the voice of voice of, vic of voiceless victims that have been injured from the jab. I felt like it was my duty as an Australian. 
it was in my duty as a human being that cares about humanity to allow both sides of the argument to get, you know, the exposure that it requires. So that's when I, um, I around July, I formed Our Voices Matter. I never made it about me, Greg. I never went on a live. I never did a Twitter, you know, like I, I never tweeted. I just put together a team of journalists and videographers and went and hit the road. So um, that's kind of where my journey started. Now, I was very smart with the way that I approached this. The journalists I used uh, was a, an acquaintance that I reached out to had, that had just quit her job at mainstream media. Do you know why she quit her job, Greg? Was Have it her vaccine mandates? Well, she just wanted to be a journalist. It was vaccine oh, mandates better. and she wanted to be a journalist, right? She couldn't be <laughs> yep. a journalist. It was like, no, you're not allowed to say that. And this is what we've been told and you're not allowed to say otherwise. And, you know, Greg, you know, you're in the media and mm. you've already told me, and I love the fact that you've told me that you're neutral on, on all fronts because that's what journalism in, needs to be. You can't be picking one side or repeating the message for the person that's sponsoring your news show, right? It's, that's considered the conflict of interest. Nevertheless, I worked with an ex-mainstream uh, media news journalist by the name of Rita Risk. She produced one of our like nighttime shows, like 60 Minutes, and she, was, she also used to be, um, you know, one of those on-the-scene reporters. Mm -hmm. And even though our government wouldn't allow us five kilometres out of our neighbourhood, I didn't care. I knew what was unfolding, and I didn't want to scare the average Australian um, that we are at war. I stayed quite quiet at that time, and I felt like, you know, they weren't quite ready to hear that. But what I wanted to do, I wanted to prove my point that there is, I had serious concerns around the safety of this jab because they're suppressing the information around injuries. So I grabbed the film crew, went into people's homes, and I noticed the pattern, Greg. And I'm not sure if you face this. I would love to hear from you. But I interviewed a 19-year-old um, Michelle Georges and Ronnie Ayub, 20-year-old. Both faced similar symptoms. Took the jab, suffered stroke-like symptoms almost immediately. Right? Paralyzed. Michelle. So here you have this unbelievable girl, honestly, like, my... <sighs> It's, it's hard to talk about these stories because when you're out, you know, like seeing these kids get hurt, such a positive, um, such a positive attitude. And she was so articulate with the way that she delivered her message. She's like, look, I've got the jab. I tried to explain it to the doctors. I got dismissed. I got told it was in my head and I got told all the reasons it could be except the jab. She had to go from hospital to hospital. Mind you, she's in a wheelchair, Greg. She's in a wheelchair, you know. Um, and the, the, the issue that I found there is I noticed a pattern. So they told Michelle, Michelle, we don't think it's the vaccine. We believe it's in your, it's your mental health. They started to asking her, they started asking her, what's the relationship with the parents? How is university going? Let me send you to a psychiatrist. This is a 19 year old girl at the start of her life. The gaslighting people. <laughs> gaslighting people. Yeah. Did I notice the same pattern with Ronnie? Absolutely. And then the story gets worse. So Michelle was in episode one, and I'm happy to share the links with you. Um, these videos went viral, believe it or not. I got 4 no, million I, I saw views. You, it had over a million views, absolutely. I checked it out. Yeah, well, well, that's before Meta did a systematic attack and wiped everything. So, yeah, so um, Alex Jones shared it in the height of the pandemic. So oh, wow. um, that, that, that exploded um, and that, that got us a, a couple of million views on just on that because there was a lack of information around there. And, and a lot of people will say, oh, why would you put on Alex Jones? I was like, well, no one else would take it. No one else would share this information. Forget about the messenger, focus on the message. Right. So then we move on to Ronnie's story. Ronnie was... Um, Sorry, I struggle when I talk about these stories because I relive these. No, moments, it's, it's okay. But... I, I, I've interviewed a number of vaccine injured. Uh, I had Jennifer Sharp, who did the anecdotals movie. She was on with me yes. about a week and a half ago. And 
it's difficult. It's difficult to hear these stories and keep a dry eye, to be quite honest. And yeah, it really trying is. to do really yeah, trying to do journalism through this. You know, I'm trying to keep my emotions in check, but I've cried with my guests before. So uh I, I understand where your heart is and why it's difficult. So I went into um I went into Rob's house, a 52 52-year-old. Um uh he actually did a health check. Rob had his um, concerns about the vaccine. He took it for work, like many Aussies. As a matter of fact, Ronnie, the previous person I mentioned, the the 20-year-old, he actually took it because he was locked down in his house for two months and he eventually gave up. And that is one of the worst possible reasons to take it. But that's when someone cracks mentally and they, they no longer go along with their better judgment and they just are broken. And that's one of the worst things about it. Rob, on the other hand, um, he needed to take it for work. He had his concerns, so he went and did a health check. Everything came back perfect the week before he took the jab, took the jab. Almost two days after, started showing signs of weakness and fatigue. Greg, these stories, they're they're not just about a vaccine injury. They've got like multi-layers of negligence, medical negligence, and this is what I'm talking about. He got the vaccine. Great. I'm protected. Goes to the doctor. Doctor, I'm not feeling good. Looks at him. Doesn't do any tests. Goes, you might have COVID. Rob's like, wait a minute. I just got the vaccine. Just look. See if you don't feel any. If you don't feel any better in a couple of days, just come back to us. It's like doctors threw out, you know, the handbook for all other medical conditions at that time and everything had to be COVID. Nevertheless, a few days go on. Rob condition worsens his kids are seen being he's um disengaged in the family home he's tired fatigue turns around to his wife chrissy goes babe i want to go i think i'm going to go to the hospital tomorrow i'm going to wear my clothes and let's head over at that moment as he gets up he starts clutching the chair he goes i'm going down i'm going down i love you i'm going down and collapses what makes his story worse, he has an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old, and they had to administer CPR. For 27 minutes during lockdown, there were no vehicles on the road. 27 minutes. And then when that ambulance arrived at Rob's house, you know what they did? They spent an additional two minutes. And for those that don't know, if you don't have enough oxygen going to your brain after five minutes, you're pretty much clinically dead. And they spent another two minutes putting on PPE for flu symptoms, guys, for code one, code red. Like, he didn't have a chance. He died of sudden onset myocarditis. Now, you have to understand something, Greg. I was the first person in the country to do a documentary the way that it was put together, a high production documentary, a lot of detail, a lot of fact checking, going into people's homes. It's not just some random on on TikTok or on Facebook saying I've been injured. Pfizer didn't like that. So I had a hit piece done on me telling me that I am wrong about Rob's diagnosis. And according to their data, which they didn't even bother looking at, and as a matter of fact, there's more twists and turns to this story, and I'm going to quickly go through this. Um, uh, But so I just wasn't limited to doing adverse reactions. When, I, when my office space wasn't available, I donated it to the lawyers and barristers that were suing the government. So I became public enemy number one in Australia. I'm like doing vaccine injuries, wow. I'm donating office space, I'm being the media arm for the live coverage of the Supreme Court hearing. And because of that, I was able to use the barristers to organise an independent autopsy a well-known professor, and I've got the report for that. And his findings were the complete opposite to Pfizer's findings, but I'm sure no one's (laughs) going to be surprised with that because they don't look at the facts. Anecdotal. We believe, well, stop believing and show us the evidence. Do the autopsy and show us if if it hasn't made the markings that the spike protein does and the specific markings. And the report came out. And the Spectator Australia, an independent media publication, um, recently posted a story um, and they tied it in with the Died Suddenly um, documentary because it was copying a lot of criticism. And look, I understand not every single story in those documentaries are going to be 100% factual. Where we're navigating 
the best that we can with the information that we get. And sometimes things do slip up, but don't let the remaining 95% go down the drain just because you have to fact check um, five stories. And we saw something similar happen with those 18 Canadian doctors. The fact checkers fact checked five. And then people, the 80, 80 Canadian doctors that died suddenly. I'm not sure if you heard about that. I guess I'm um, So, and they wrote an open letter. But I guess I noticed a trend, Greg, one, if you die, it's dismissed as anything but a jab. They refused to do an autopsy, but they were so quick to tell us if someone sneezed that was 95 years old and then supposedly, you know, died of three other conditions, but died with COVID, that, that's a COVID death and we're going to be a grandma killer and we need to sit at home and take the vaccine. And that's what I found the bias in. I found on one side of the argument was it's, it's COVID is dangerous. But there was no side of the argument that the jab was dangerous, even though the numbers started piling up. Now, yeah, and so 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 why don't we take a break quickly here? Um, yeah. I I have I've been quiet this entire time because, quite honestly, uh, you're telling a phenomenal story about your experience from your perspective in Australia right now. That this may be a personal account that's new to many of my listeners, which that's the reason why I'm not interjecting at all, but I do have to get to a commercial, unfortunately, because that helps no, no, fund the okay. show. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 so, no okay. The next absolutely. part is I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be dropping truth bombs about government data and then I'm going to paint the picture. Yeah. So now absolutely. I've told my so, personal account, we're going to reposition this around say, right, we've done the jab injuries. We now help. Sorry. We've done the jab injured. I helped some of the jab uh, injured, you know, with their conditions. And I've got a couple of solutions around that, but now let's focus on the data because that's what got us into this mess. A lot of deaths, we need the vaccine, right? So I'm, I'm happy whenever you're, yeah. Sounds great. So well, everybody, no, I love this. Uh, Alan has become my producer today too. We're setting up the show for the second half. You've heard where we're going. We're going the data, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after a break from our sponsors. You're listening to America emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Alan here on the America Out Loud Network. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio liberty and justice for all. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvinone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. We have been having a phenomenal conversation with Alan down in Australia, uh, who is the founder of OurVoicesMatter.com, has also put out a number of documentaries, as we just heard, with millions of views. And so I'm going to tell my listeners right now, go to OurVoicesMatter.com, go check this out, go watch the documentaries, go follow them on Twitter as well, so that way you can get informed. But what really caught my attention yesterday is, as I was on this Twitter spaces, uh, 
Alan came on and started sending me some numbers, some data. And so Alan, you said you were going to tell us about the data and try to prove the people a little bit that are maybe skeptics about what's going on. So I'm sure with these documentaries and having millions of views, you've had a number of people reaching out to you and providing data for you and helping you in your research. What should we be aware of that's being censored? First of all, if you were to look to a country that's had the strictest lockdowns, the highest vaccination uptake, and official government data, it would have to be Australia. Okay, we've got all three of those things. I know there's a lot of debate in America, but I've looked at the American data and your vaccination uptake wasn't as high and there's difference between Democrats and Republican states. And it's yeah, can, way I ask, too many can I ask you a quick question? Is there the same political divide? It's like, I'm not too uh, familiar with Australian politics. I'm not even going to pretend to be. Is there still a political divide between those that are vaccinated and those that are unvaccinated? Uh, is there something to be said about politics or is that unique to the United States? Uh, our two political parties are two sides of the same coin. So I almost feel like um, the Republicans share a lot more of our values and agree with a lot more of what we want as conservatives over here than the Liberal Party over here. Because the Liberal Party were the ones that took away all our rights. They're, they were the ones in power at the height of the pandemic. So uh, okay. I do believe that there is a contrast with conservatives not taking the jab and, and kind of more the right leaning. But no, we, we look at our two political parties two sides of the same coin. There's a handful of politicians. We've got Craig Kelly, that's fighting for our freedom, Malcolm Roberts, Senator Ger Gerard Rennick, Pauline Hansen, and Alex Anti. Handful of politicians that are standing up in parliament. And what I'm about to share with you, Greg, I'm happy and I'm not sure um, uh, where you're gonna be posting this, but I could provide you. Any links that you provide me, yeah. So any Everything. links that you provide me, I will put into the description. So if you're listening to the show and you go to americaoutloud.com, which is the network webpage, we have about 200,000 people there each day. We will put this information right on the front of the page okay. with this episode and help support your data. I, I think that's actually important and vital. If we're going to make claims, we should back it up with the resources. So thank you. Perfect. So COVID hit, we locked down quite heavily you'll think, okay, let, 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 let's look at the data around that. We still had, uh, we had 906 deaths in a country of a population of 25 million. Then the pair, then uh, 2021 opened up. Um, we still had some COVID deaths, around 2,000 COVID deaths in 2021. However, max vaccination, you know, when they really opened up the vaccine campaign, it was roughly around July to December. And then we saw a very interesting data set around July to December. From July to December 2021, around the time that the mass vaccination occurred, we noticed a 8,000 increase in excess deaths based on the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Like, okay, you know what? That could be COVID, that could be maybe delays in surgery. We let that go. We didn't want to sit there and just, you know, because it's speculation. So then we waited for the whole country to be vaxxed, 95% to be exact. Um, I'm part of the control group of the 5% that didn't. <laughs> and, um, and then 2022 arrived. Now, we used to have maybe a few thousand cases in 2020 for COVID, tens of thousands in 2021. After everyone got vaccinated, and I need the American public to hear me clearly. After everyone got vaccinated, when I say everyone, 95%, we had from September, the end of September last year, 10 million COVID cases and 20,000 excess deaths from January to September. Hmm. This is straight from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Now, the media had egg on their face. They needed to come up with some excuse. So then they've come up and said, oh, well, yeah, we could see the excess deaths, but we think two thirds of them are COVID. How does the maths stack up? Wait a minute. So we are one of the highest vaccinated countries in the world. So shouldn't we all be protected? When we didn't have the vaccine, we were at a thousand deaths in 2020. 
2,000 deaths in 2021, and now you're completely being dismissive of 20,000 deaths. And that's only up until September. We are yet to see from October, November, December. We need the full year. We anticipate 25,000 excess deaths for a population of 25 million. We also noticed a very interesting pattern. Now, this next bit could be anecdotal, and I will stress this because I've had a lot of people come after me, but I'm working, I'm working with Steve Kirch to analyze the data and break it down. We also encountered something very interesting around, see, it's only my state that releases the weekly COVID hospitalizations, ICU and deaths, and breaks it down Zero doses, no, uh, one dose, two dose, three dose, and four dose. We found an interesting pattern. The group with the lowest vaccine um, uh, do uh, doses, which is so the people that took four doses, which only make up 20% of the population, are right. dying and ending up in hospital at a much higher rate than any other group and i've got the weekly government data um it, you know like nothing that they've gone out and said has made sense and the data backs it up even if i was to entertain the idea of people saying well alan yeah the reason why you know the reason why the people with four doses are dying at a higher rate it's because they are the most immune compromised and they probably they're much more older and they're probably the group that took the um, do, you know, the four doses. I'm like, yeah, but that's anecdotal. We don't know that. We could solve this problem if the government didn't mix match the data around that segment of the part. So they tell us who had one dose, two dose, three dose, four dose, and how many deaths and uh, ICUs and, and, and hospitalizations. But then when they break down the ages, they just mix up all the doses together. So you can't work it out. And that's unfair. That's unfair because they've got that data. And if, if you disagree with my statement, very similar to what Dr. Asim and Peter McCullough are saying, we believe that if someone dies of a young age until proven otherwise, I believe the people that have taken three or four doses based on New South Wales health data that is released weekly are dying at a higher rate than anyone else unless proven, uh, proven otherwise. And by the way, even the people that are dying with three doses, they're even dying at a high rate. And I do have the data on on how many people took um, three doses. And that's roughly around 70% of the population. Or oh, sorry, 65%. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you through the correct wow. data. It's still a high percentage. And they're still- yeah, That's higher than the United States, yeah. Wow. So now if we look at the weekly data for my state, I'll specifically focus on my state because we get that, we get that data fed to us. 10,000 hospitalizations in 2020 and only about 50 people weren't vaccinated in the whole year. It was relative to the number of unvaccinated of how many deaths that we had, but we found something very interesting. The deaths that would happen for the unvaccinated, they would never enter the hospital. So the same way people could assume that people that took four doses, a majority of the elderly population, I could possibly assume that the people that took no doses and died without going to a hospital are probably just dying of natural causes. That's my own observation. I would love to be proven incorrect. We have the data, but they're just segmented in such a way that they confuse the public and leave it all up for the debate. But one thing that can't be debated or can't be explained, especially with a highly vaccinated uh, uh, uptake, is the 20,000 excess deaths. We'd have projected to go to 25,000 by from January to December of 2022, based on Australian Bureau of Statistics, which I will provide your audience with all the links. I'll also provide you, your audience, our senators raising these concerns in parliament to the TGA, which is the FDA equivalent. So we've got our own governing body, right. and they're meant to look at the safety signals. They're ignoring it. Why? Why are they ignoring the 140,000 adverse events? Remember, 900 people died from COVID. And now we have 140,000 people in a probably very similar situation that you're in, Greg. And my heart bleeds for these people because they don't get the, if the doctors don't acknowledge 
that it was a vax injury. How can we start focusing on there's the treatment? No yeah, and there's no research on the vaccine injured either. And that's become really apparent as I've interviewed all these different individuals around the country that no one is taking them serious enough to follow up and put them in a study group in order to continue the science that's so yes. important to those. I have I have two kind of questions to make clear for my listeners because I don't know um, the answer exactly. Uh, what uh, What companies' vaccines were most prevalent in Australia. Uh, so who, who was vaccinating? Like what company Very was vaccinating guys? Great question. So at first, our government only were able to source AstraZeneca. So okay. from my personal experience of going doing um, videos on jab injuries, what I found, AstraZeneca caused a lot of clotting issues and Pfizer caused a lot of neurological and heart complications. That's, that was my assessment, and I was saying that in 2021 through my own personal experience from doing a lot of pre-interviews because the way that I set up my show for Our Voices Matter, I'll do pre-interviews to get a gauge of what they're going through. So I've got to get a good, good understanding, and I found the pattern. Anyone with dementia, they wouldn't last within uh, two to three weeks if they've taken uh, AstraZeneca specifically in Australia. Oh, really? So okay. Well, yeah, because I guess I that would make sense. The that would make sense with the, the vascular side. Yeah, the clotting. Yes, yep. Okay. Correct. And then Pfizer, we, we just noticed a lot of myocarditis, a lot of pericarditis, and a lot of neurological disorders. Okay. Now, when I was talking to Dr. McCullough a couple of weeks ago on the show, he had told me something I wasn't aware of. Uh, he had said that Pfizer and Moderna were not making the vaccines themselves. It was still being made by the U.S. military in Baltimore, and that was something I was unaware of. So. Uh, if you're getting Pfizer, then you're getting a product made by the United States military uh, coming from just an hour from my house, which is bizarre to me. Let me clear this up. Um, sure. So initially we've got AstraZeneca and then they're like, okay, well, we don't recommend AstraZeneca for the young kids. So let's not just, let's just promote it just for the elderly. Then what ended up happening was around January or February, and this is so irresponsible from the government, they just turned around and go, as a matter of fact, no, we're going to recommend it for the younger kids, right? And when I mean young, I'm talking about teenagers, um, you know, up to like, I think from about 18 to 30. So when I, I'm not sure if you recall, I mentioned Michelle's story, the wheelchair victim. Mm -hmm. She fell victim to that, you know, you know, to that advice. She went and got AstraZeneca when the government initially said, no, you shouldn't have AstraZeneca. And then, so, when, when she went off and, and got it, it was when the government said yes. And then not even two weeks after she got it and she had her injury, the government goes, no again. Hmm. So they kept on, like, how do, you, how do you run a campaign where, you know, like you're backflipping with, with what's recommended? Then this is what happened. When they turned on mass vaccination, they knew they didn't have enough Pfizer. So remember, think of the dates. We got AstraZeneca at the start of 2021. They allowed it roughly around March and April 2021. And then they disallowed it for the younger generation around May, June, July. But then the vaccine campaign kicked off and they needed to inject everyone. So this is what they did. And I've got documented cases of this. They were vaccinating the younger generation in a football field. The first um, red flag was the parents weren't allowed to enter the vaccination stadium with them they had to enter alone i'm not sure if that happened in in your state or your country and I, I saw that as a red flag what happens if something happens to them what you know like they need they're still children they're still at school what happened to consent and then ronnie's story you know the 20 year old that i mentioned he, he, he you know he's a tradie he works like in the building game strong fit healthy they broke him mentally he signed up for his Pfizer. But guess what, Greg? They didn't have Pfizer at that stadium. The moment he got there, they're like, oh, man, look, whoops. Oh, mm -hmm. sorry, man. We know your whole family got Pfizer. He, he's AstraZeneca. My own mother, my, my mother started off with Pfizer. She went back three weeks later for a booster and they gave her Moderna. And the people there told her, oh, it's okay. Now, this was before they announced that it was okay to mix and I said to my mother, you're out of your mind. And she thought yep. I was crazy, but I was going, you're out of your mind to mix these two. There's no science 
to support doing this, but our governments, and it sounds like the same thing that was happening here in the United States was happening in Australia, which is heartbreaking. Uh, our governments were willful in just going by the book, you know, whatever, whatever we have. Now we have here VAERS, the, the reporting system. Do you have that same type of uh, system? Are you using VAERS or, or in Australia, do you use something different to report yeah. vaccine adverse? So- so you, you're going to see that in the evidence that I sent through. So I'm going to send um, Senator Gerard Rennick. He talks about the numbers in our TGA system, which is kind of your um, VAERS equivalent. That's where we go in and okay. report um, all our injuries. We, when I started reporting, when you watch my um, documentary, you're going to see the numbers really low because it was very early on in the vaccination campaign. So you're probably going to see them probably, when I say really low, I think it was roughly around 40,000. Fast forward, you know, a year down the track, we're at 160,000. And our politician, Gerard Rennick, he, he raises in parliament, he says he's spoken to a lot of doctors and a lot of the doctors just felt it was too difficult and too time consuming to even lodge the report. So, he, you know, he's got clear evidence of underreporting, but nevertheless, yep. even 10,000 adverse reactions for a thousand COVID deaths, um, which didn't include any excess deaths in 2020. That was on par with the kind of flu deaths that we had. Oh, by the way, Greg, our influenza deaths average a thousand, um, zero, zero for 2020, zero for 2021 and 2022. I didn't bother looking at them because there's so many excess deaths that I don't even know where to look. Right. That, I'm so, not surprised yeah. by that because we're seeing the same thing here in the United States on there. Uh, we've seen the flu has made this huge rebound this year as COVID is not really in the playbook. Um, there's just so many questions that this would lead um, me down and it has led me down. I, I should clarify for listeners as far as why, right? So like in, in Australia, you were locked down in your home for three to six months. You couldn't leave without fear of being arrested, uh, fear of having police, you know, beat you into submission for being a public threat. And we're told that this whole thing is going to stop transmission. We find out about four months ago that they did those studies and it never proved it could stop transmission. So the politicians here in the United States and in Europe all lied to us. I'm assuming you had the same type of media in Australia with people on television saying, if we take this vaccine, it's going to stop the spread. And obviously that didn't happen anywhere in the world. But uh, am I correct in my assumption that the media played the same card they played here? Greg, what I'm going to share with you um at the end of this interview, I'm going to give you a goldmine of information of mountains of, of things that they said to us. Anything from this is the start of the new world order. Yes, we know we're experimenting on you. Like, Greg, let's be clear, directly out of the politician's mouth and the media outlets, letting mm-hmm. us know this is the first day of the new world order. Not once did they mention it. Two, they mentioned it two times, three times, four times. Regardless whether you think this is all planned or not, this is what they said. On go, don't shoot the messenger. They talk about yes, we're experimenting on on uh, on the population. Yes, we know we're taking away their rights. Some of the things that they said and the way they treated us was nothing short of criminal. They shot us with rubber bullets. They dragged us out of our homes. They imprisoned us incorrectly, like for 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 like that. They beat people in the streets for not wearing a mask. They've had so many lawsuits against them. Uh, like, it's it's absolutely, <laughs> I always used to say, you know, if things went bad, thank God I live in Australia. Thank God I'm next to New Zealand and things get really tough. I'll go to Canada. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, you'll, you'll want to come to the United States, even though it's not perfect here right now. But at Man. least you have a second, at least you have a second amendment that keeps you from getting shot with rubber pellets and dragged out of your house. Yeah. Um, and look, we are not a violent group. We're right. quite the opposite. You know, when, when a lot of people that wake up that they've been lied to, I worry how they're going to react. We've already caught, we've already dealt with the grief, we've already gone through the trauma. Like, you know, the morning stage is over of what's happening. We understand what's on the horizon. And our focus as the group of truth seekers, freedom fighters, 
tinfoil hat brigade, whatever name you want to throw us, we all we care about, we a group of people that care about this country. We love the vax and unvax unconditionally, right? But it's not us versus them, like the media wanted us to kept on instilling throughout the stories of oh, what's what's going to happen during Christmas. Are you going to allow the your unvaxxed family members show up? Stop with the division. We are all human beings. We all deserve to be on this earth. We are made in God's image and we are born free. Freedom is not something that you are given. It is something you are born with. And to give up your freedom for a bit of safety, we all know how that works. Those in power that are looking after your safety, you know, are never going to give give up any of your freedoms because it's always going to be under the disguise. It's for your safety, Alan. Yes. We, we, we had a, a great lesson here in the United States after September 11th. After September 11th, the Patriot Act was enacted and many people said that, well, I have nothing to worry about. So why do I care if the government can now listen to conversations under the Patriot Act? And then after the Patriot Act, there were a number of other things. They expanded it about eight years later when they renewed it and people use those same type of things. Well, you know, cameras are on every street corner. I don't really have an expectation of privacy. And then during the pandemic, uh, I'll never forget. I, 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 I'm a great uh, high school teacher and I'm listening to a conference call when they're shutting down our school, telling us we're not going to have a fourth marking period. The, the school year is effectively over. We can do zoom sessions to talk to kids, to help them with their mental health to make sure they're still connected with teachers and classmates. And the word was used in that call, we are in a new new normal. And I went back to that individual who spoke those words. And I said, on March 20th, you uttered the words, this was a new normal. And that ended up becoming the buzzword of the year around the entire globe. Where did you hear it first? And I found out that the word was first, according to this individual, first said by the superintendent who likely heard it from the governor. And I started to go down this path of watching the way everything connects. And I I started thinking to myself, okay, now there's a new language in order to get people to accept things, the new normal, right? And we've never come back from it. And anytime government, it doesn't matter if it's the Australian government, the Canadian government, the United States government, parliament in Europe, right? Wherever time government seizes an opportunity where they can take some of your freedom, they will never give it back. Freedom taken is never, ever regained, which is why here in the United States, there are many people that they say, you know, let's have some common sense gun laws. First, one, we live in a very, very peaceful country. The, the, The way we're painted in the United States, in the cities, it's probably deserved with gang violence and things, but that is an anomaly. If you go to the heartland of the United States, This is an amazing place to live with amazing stories, people living out the American dream. We get bad press on there. But when I talk to these people that say, well, we've got to curb this gun violence and this this image of America against the rest of the world, I often will remind people, the forefathers of this country, they gave us our great constitution. They gave us rights that they knew should be inalienable. We should never be looking to ever take away from those rights. Instead, we should say, what rights do we not grant yet that need to still be granted and add an amendment when those rights are necessary, just like this great country ended slavery and acknowledged that it had been wrong the entire time and put it into an amendment. We create amendments in this country in order to expand rights. But right now we are so ass backwards that people are calling for save me government save me. And it was Ronald Reagan that said the scariest words that somebody can hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. (laughs) Sorry, Greg, as much as I focus on, 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 um, you know, Australia, oh man, I, I'm so caught up in, in your politics and I understand quite a a lot about America and, and trust me, I'm I'm definitely a person that doesn't make a judgment uh, about a country, about what I see on the media, because we all know that the media is the master at manipulation and they only tell one side of the story. And that's why there's people like yourself and myself that are going out there and, you know, covering the stories the media refuse to do. 
That's right. You know, I have people all the time say, you know, do you believe all the stuff that you hear? And I say, from a journalism standpoint, it's my responsibility to go out and tell people stories and to take things at face value until I can prove it otherwise. And I've been continuing to do that. And um, the more I go down the rabbit hole, the more I realize that the story that I'm finding is a lot different than what everybody else is listening to on the mainstream media. It's the reason why I feel that podcasts and what I do and people on my network and other alternative networks like myself, we're vital right now. People like yourself that went out and did this documentary are vital to people's safety, to people's freedom. And uh, I am so glad that my my chance encounter yesterday in the Twitter spaces world while uh, being brought up as a speaker led me to you. This was phenomenal. I want to bring you back again. I'd love to have another conversation with you. Unfortunately, we're, we're running low on time can just, today. Can <laughs> I just ahead. squeeze in two little things? Please Because do, I'd like please to do. finish off on a positive. Yep. Don't think that you're alone and one person can make a difference. If in your country you had those fines that were being issued for lack of wearing masks and all these sort of all these absurd uh, things that occurred, one person in Australia challenged a fine he was issued, and he set a precedent that overturned thirty-three thousand fines, and every single person that got a fine during their pandemic had the, re- the the money that they paid reimbursed. That's one story, and the second story, just to finish up on this. A doctor that was deregistered has now got a court hearing in the Supreme Court questioning the legitimacy of our FDA equivalent and getting a better understanding who's behind the curtains. Because I can tell you right now, our country has been infiltrated. Nothing else makes sense. Otherwise, these government agencies that are there to protect us would have raised the alarm a lot sooner. That's all I've got to say, Greg. Thank you for having me on today. Alan, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. My listeners, I hope that we've honored your time well. I believe we have. I believe there was a great amount of information there. Please, if you get the opportunity, go to ourvoicesmatter.com. And you can also follow Alan at Alan Hashem. That's A-L-A-N-H-A-S-H-E-M on Twitter. Uh, so you can follow his page as well as he, he has an Our Voices Matter uh, page on Twitter. So go support him uh, in this description today. You will see some links from all the studies that we discussed. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all. We'll be back tomorrow with another show. Thank you for listening. This has been America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Be bold, America.